All right, last week we talked about hills that we'll die on. Uh, and, and these are things that aren't theory. We've proven it. We've got wounds, scars, dead bodies, spiritually. Uh, dead bodies, maybe physically dead bodies. These are over the years, my wife and I have been doing this uh, for 45 years. Uh, and it's been a journey and a wonderful journey. Uh, but we, we decided early on that we're going to go for the gospel. It, 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 without that, there's nothing. We, it's the message of hope for the world. We will never compromise. That'll always be our number one priority, our focus to ring the bell, see people discover the love of God, be transformed by his grace and power. So we'll die on the hill of the gospel. And hopefully it's not a Jamie Kim or a few of the pastors and you'll watch us cheer us on as the arrows go in and the stabs in the back and the but that you'll join us on that hill and say, for the next generation, God, we want to fight for the good news because it's under siege. Churches are giving up on it. They're, they're going under. They're ashamed. And, and it's just, that, that's just not who we're going to be as a vineyard. We're going to, that's all we've got. That's our compelling message. It's what can make hope come alive in the heart of the broken, lost, and, and the outcast. And so that's the hill, number one. Number two, we're going to talk about when the gospel is preached, people believe it. They gather, they're called out from the gospel. They're called out to discover the, the love of God and his forgiveness. And they begin to assemble together, whatever size, two or more that are gathered in the name of the Lord. That becomes what the Bible describes as a church. So this morning, we're going to talk about uh, what, what the second hill is. What we would die on is the hill of the church. And so I want you to start with me in the book of Acts, chapter 9. Uh, I, we're going to start here, and then we're going to go to chapter uh, 20 real quick. But I want to give you a little bit of the background of the Apostle Paul who wrote more about what the church is, the nature of the church. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not a building. We'll talk about that more. Uh, it's people. It's people that have been redeemed and called by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's believers uh, that gather. There is no one individual that's the church. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. But, but Paul gets his theology, begins to, about the church, and he writes about it as the bride of Christ. He writes about it as the temple of God. He writes about it as the family of God. He writes about it as the army of God. And it's all of those things, but he begins his understanding and his experience of salvation. And I love this account. You can read it later in chapter 9 of his conversion, but he, you know his backstory. His name was Saul. He's killing Christians. He hates the, the way that it was called. He hates Christians. He hates Jesus and all that he stood for. Uh, even though he feels like Jesus is dead, he wants to snuff out all those that follow him. And so he's on his road to kill and torture more Christians. In chapter 9, verse 3, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground. He heard a voice. Remember, the voice is in heaven now. He heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute? I would have thought it would have said my people. What does he say? Why do you persecute? Say it with me. Me. Now, Jesus is in heaven. He's glorified. He's at the right hand of God. He's interceding for the Stephens. He stood up when Stephen was killed and Saul was standing there. 
Jesus stood up to welcome him, to intercede. And, but he's in heaven, and yet he says to this Saul, you're persecuting me. And so Saul says to him, he asks the million-dollar question, who are you, Lord? And Saul asks, and Jesus says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, there's where he, the rock bed of his theology this is where you begin to understand what is the church. You, you cannot disconnect the church from the Lord Jesus Christ, who Paul goes on to describe in the book of Ephesians as the head, and we're the body. We're the hands and feet. He's the head. If you cut the head off, you have no body. And if you cut the body off, you have no presence of the head. I remember my wife and I often tease about it because it traumatized her. And, uh, the, but some of you go back to those science fiction movies uh, back in the day. And some of them were just an, uh, amazing. One of them I loved was Rosie Greer. Some of you remember he played for the Los Angeles Rams. Back then they were the Los Angeles Rams. And uh, he, he got a, 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 this wealthy bigot. Uh, I mean, he hated, he hated uh, black people, hated them. And he desperately was dying. And so they amputated his head and they had to find a willing body, but they left the head on the body and they sewed his head on the body of Rosie Greer. If you remember Rosie Greer, big giant football player. He wakes up from his surgery and he looks over and he sees he's got a black face beside him. And he squeezes it with his left hand and the right hand, which is Rosie Greer, squeezes the face. And then he punches the, the face, and they get in this fight till they realize they're both attached to the same body. It was just an amazing, I mean, I just, I just love it. Anyway, that's nothing to do with my point. The other sci-fi was this woman that somehow she lost her body, and they had her in this, this like glass thing, and I never forget her saying, help me, I need a body. She had no body. She's just a head. And Jesus, without his church, is no body. He's chosen to be one with. So Paul embraces the importance of touching a child of God is touching God. Persecuting his people, his church, is persecuting him. In our world today, many people would say, hey, I love Jesus, but I'm not doing the church. I love Jesus, but I hate the church. And they often have valid reasons on a human level why to despise the church. They've been hurt, betrayed, let down. Can you imagine if you'd been molested by a Christian leader or by a priest or a pastor uh, and, and, and represented God? And you gotta, you got to separate that from the, the true God and from the true church. I mean, it's, it can be really really difficult to understand the nature of the church and why God would love it so much. So Paul gets this encounter. Now, years later, probably 20, 25 years later, he's, he's, he's been investing in this church. Uh, now, when I say church, think of three levels, okay? One level, big C, church. That means the church universal, Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, Pentecostal, Evangelical, Vineyard, you know, Church of God, Assemblies of God, Mennonites. Uh, I mean, whatever they name, if they name the name of Jesus, 
I'm not talking about groups that would not come in that category like Mormons, Jehovah Witness, Christian Science. Those are churches that deny the gospel and they deny the Lord Jesus Christ. But if they name the name of Jesus, Big C, we're part of every church in the world. There is no Church of America. There's a church in America, but it's the Church of God Universal, the Canadian church, the, the church in China, Africa, where it's growing, the Christianity is growing the fastest in nations in Africa and nations like Iran and places like, it's just growing like wildfire. We just had a, a, some folks in our church that may be here this morning. They were just in Laos and there's some people we know that have a, have a church there that's undercover as a drug rehab. And it, it used to be 2% Christian population now is 7%. That's a massive change within a culture in Laos and in Asia. And so the church, big C. Second is little C. Now, when you come to Jesus, you're part of the big C church. You're baptized, you become part of the big, but then you have to walk that out by becoming part of the little C, which is local church. That's why we pray every week for a different local church. Now, not always is it local. This one was in Tennessee, but we had a, a relationship connection there. And so there's the little C church, which you, it's hypocritical to say I'm part of the big C, but not part of the little C. Because the big C, it's hard to get offended by not being part of something. It's easy to get offended if you're part of something local. Local is much more challenging to interact with people, to interact because the church is made up of broken, flawed, sinful people just like you. And you just bring more of it when you come. And don't be shocked when somebody lets you down, hurts your feelings, acts like an idiot. And, and because we're people that need redemption and not everybody that's part of a church is part of the kingdom of God, some people haven't surrendered fully yet. But so there's a third level, and that's going to be the ultimate or the perfect church. And you say, where's that one? I want to join it. Well, it's not here. Let me help you there. Uh, you know the old adage, if you think you found the perfect church, don't join it. Why? Because you'll ruin it. So <clears throat> the, the third C is not going to happen until Christ returns. Nobody's seen the perfect church, the fully redeemed church, the bride who's made herself ready. And someday we're going to go, that mess, that brokenness, that weakness in our all over the world, you've made this out of that? I mean, people are going to say that about you as an individual, but us together, it's going to blow the minds of the universe that God says, look what I did. This is the finished product. We haven't seen it yet. And if you wait for it to try to find it, it doesn't exist on planet Earth. There is no all that perfect church. There is no already glorified church. So understand it, big C, universal, little c, local, and then the redeemed, complete, perfect, ultimate, whatever language you want to use, uh, church. That's the three different aspects of the church. Now, Paul is working with the Little C Church with a group of leaders that he's been investing in, and he's about to leave them, and he has an intuitive sense, I'll never see you again. Now, my friend John and Kitty that's retiring, I don't know his plans, but they may not see him again. I don't know if he's going somewhere and who he turned it over to and that transition. And it's very challenging on a church that's had a pastor. In his case, he's been there uh, 22 years. That's a big change. That's a, a nobody will be him. And if they're worshiping him and following him, 
it, it, it impressed me in the last service. Somebody came up to me and said, you know, I just got to let you know, you weren't here two weeks ago, and I brought a relative that had lost a loved one, and I desperately, when I walked in, I saw you weren't here, and some young preacher was preaching. He said, I was filled with anger. And uh, he said, I had to shut my eyes, and I couldn't look. He said, but you know, the young pastor, which was, happened to be Jason, he did a great job. My relative that he brought was deeply touched by the Lord. And I looked at him, I said, and you grew up. And I said, and he goes, he looked at me like, what? I said, that's maturity. Because if you can only hear God through one individual, that becomes idolatry. That becomes, and let me tell you something, it doesn't flatter me ever. It says I failed as a leader if, only, if, if you've only been trained to listen to my voice or my wife's voice. You've got to learn to listen to the Lord's voice and whoever's speaking, and everybody's going to be different. And so in the kingdom of God, Paul is going to meet with these elders, and this is his last talk to him. I preached this message when we were leaving for five months, we thought. We didn't know about the big C, COVID. Uh, I actually made fun of it and had to repent about it. I said, don't worry about us. We're not going to Wuhan, wherever that was. And I made a joke out of it. Well, next uh, we're gone for four weeks, and we're back home, and the sabbatical was over, uh, and we ended up being able to relaunch. But I preached this sermon, and this would be the sermon, I, if God said this is your last, to my knowledge, you could change, I'll preach this again whenever it's our last sermon to preach. This is just Paul gives us the words of people that he loves, and he's turning over the responsibility to this group of leaders, and he's going to train them about the church as he hands it off to them and gives them some admonition. So what a better place to learn about the church, the hill that we'll die on, than a, than a leader that literally died on the hill of the church and for the church. And so in the book of Acts, chapter 20, this is uh, Paul in Ephesus. And he's gathered the elders. So you can read it later. It's a great, I'm going to jump in in verse 28 of chapter 20. He says to these leaders, keep watch over yourselves in all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Let me just stop for a second. Here's how I thought of this as a new pastor. Now remember, my wife and I started, I was 22 years old. She was 21. Anybody in here 22 Okay, got a couple 22-year-olds. Think about turning a church over to a 22-year-old. But let me help you. I knew all there was to know about everything. <laughs> if you had a problem, I can fix it. If you have a question, I can answer it. I'm the Bible answer man. I'm 22. I've been studying the Bible for three years. Four, actually four, four whole years. I've been to seminary. I've got a degree. But no one ever taught me about how to shepherd people. You mean you got to love people? You got to have, what's wisdom? I mean, you got to use compassion, patience? Never heard of it. What is it? They voted on me to come to the little church on Sanibel, and the vote was 11 to 1. So the first sermon was, have I not chose ye 12, yet one of you is of the devil. Is that really true, Pastor? Is that true? I'm not saying. 
You can figure it out in the archives. So Paul says, here's what I missed, what I want to get to in that point. It says, keep watch first over yourselves. One of the things that leaders fail, I fail, is that the first priority of a leader is not those there to lead. It's learning to lead yourself. It's learning to pastor yourself, your family, your children. In fact, he says in another place, the same writer, Paul, if you can't take care of your own home, you can't pastor a church. Well, no one nurtured my soul. No one taught me about soul care. No one taught me about uh, healthy times away and days off and nurturing your family. I mean, I tried here and there, but I consistently for years neglected my wife and family for people that someday I'm just a photo in their photo album now. Um, they're just like, remember that guy he married us? And, and, and they didn't know I'm marrying them on the only day off that I had, so I'm away from their family. And back then, they thought if they gave you 50 bucks, they were really, really special in giving you 50. I've, when I finally started doing weddings on the side, I charged 400 a wedding. I said, it's the cheapest thing in your wedding, but it's the most important. If I get it wrong, it's a nasty wedding. But if I get it right, you'll never forget it. But anyway, they give you 50 bucks. Here, pastor, you know, treat your wife. And I just... You know, people go, oh, remember, remember he told funny story. What was his name? I don't know. See, that's not what Christ means about dying on the hill of the church. If I don't take care of my soul, I, I had to learn this the hard way about lost my marriage. And, and you know how many pastors burn out? That 80% of pastors that start in the ministry don't finish in the ministry. The average stay for a pastor is less than five years in a church. They don't, they don't last. You know why? It's like my friend, uh, I won't use his name, but he, he brought this woman into his office one time. He sat her down and he said, let me tell you something. It's people like you why pastors leave the ministry. Now, the good news is she repented and stayed in the church. That's quite a testimony. That was some tough love. But, but pastors get, get destroyed their families, their children. Why? Because the enemy understands the target. If you strike the shepherd, what happens to the sheep? You scatter them. Happens all over the country, all over the world. Prominent preachers fall, crash, burn, huge churches, huge successful ministries. But how was their marriage? Not so good. How was their personal life? Not so good. So we've made a decision uh, a number of years ago that that our calling is not to destroy our lives or our marriage. That's not what we mean by dying on the hill of the church. We're going to sometimes cheat the church in the sense of we get away. We get away more now than we ever have. And, and I'm not going to, I don't feel I'm going to get away. I've told our leaders, either you can have me not have me or we'll get away as much as we need to. So we have a blank check. We can get away every week if we wanted to. You know, obviously we care about the church and we're conscientious about our jobs, but I'm going to take care of our souls. You know why? Because if we crash and burn, what do you think it does to the church? So Paul says to these leaders, watch out first for your own soul. Second of all, watch out for the flock. You're a shepherd. You're called to care for it. He says in chapter 20, verse 28, watch out for the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. How, you say, Jamie, how have you stood in the ministry in two churches for 45 years? How have you stayed in one for 17 and the other for 27? You could just say, I'm really stubborn. 
okay? You could say that, but that's not the case. I can't tell you the number of times over the years that I quit. And I mean quit, quit, done, can't do it another day. Because it's not by my strength or my, my wife's strength that we've been able to sustain. The Holy Spirit has put us in this issue. And we'll be here until the Holy Spirit says, not, no more, make a change. And until then, I don't care whether you like us or not. I don't care whether you want us to leave or you want us to stay. I don't care. I don't care if you think I'm too old, too fat, too slow. I don't care. You didn't put me here and you can't take me out of here. So that's, I don't mean to be cold. Now, rewind the tape, 30 years, it, it messed with my mind for you to have bad thoughts about me. It would destroy me to think somehow that you didn't like me. I felt everybody that left our church, I took it personally. Because I'm a good pastor, I care about people, but I'm also broken as a human being, and I don't like rejection. If you like rejection, you need counseling. Please reject me. Just, just hate on me. Just talk about me. Talk about my kids. Talk about my wife. You, you know what it is? To, can you imagine going to work? Think about the most bosses you've ever had at work. Two, three. We have hundreds, hundreds that all have an opinion. All have an opinion. How we all, you ought to do what the old pastor used to do about it. Why don't you do this more of that, do this? We're judged by hundreds of people and our family. Now, I'm grateful for our church, and I love our church, but we fought to see it get to what it is here today. And it hadn't always been that way. And I'd had people judge our children. Uh, I, my pastor's kids are notoriously difficult to be raised in the, in the ministry. It's a challenging I love the church, but I want you to understand that Paul warns these leaders that you've got to watch for the church. We have a security team that watches for predators and people that have come to bring harm and destruction, but, but the pastors are charged with those that would come to tear up the church. Look what he says. He says, <clears throat> therefore, uh, in verse 28, he says, keep watch over yourselves and the flock the sheep, which you're part of, of which the Holy Spirit's made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Go back to communion. Think about the thing. Now, there's people, there's huge arguments if you like to get into more debate or controversy. And it really, it's a simple answer, but I'll give it to you in a minute. But people believe that this either says he bought the church with the blood of his son or he bought the church with his own blood being God's. So which is the right answer? And there's a whole world of people that think he bought the church with the blood of his son because how can God have blood because God could have never bought the church with his own blood? And my answer to the question is, is yes. It's the blood of his son, which was the blood of God. You can't separate. Jesus had the blood of Mary, but he also had the blood of God. Jesus was all human and he was all God. We're actually going to launch a series at the end of this month called The Ugly Incarnation. And we're going to go from Jesus before Christmas to Jesus after Christmas, The Ugly Incarnation. And we're going to deal with the humanity and the deity of Christ and, and how he did that on earth. But Paul here gets the fact 
that when you look at the church, next time you go to think about criticizing a church, it doesn't mean that churches don't do things wrong. It doesn't mean that churches don't get off in the ditch. It doesn't mean churches don't need to be corrected. It doesn't mean leaders don't mess up. That's not my point here. But when you begin to have a critical attitude about the church, you better remember that it's the bride of Christ. And if you make fun of somebody's bride, if you mock somebody's bride, if you criticize and condemn, if they love their bride, they're going to be in your face. Let me tell you something. God loves his church. Big C, little c. God loves paid for, bought, with a price of his life, the church. Be careful what you're doing. You're dealing with a treasure here. You're dealing with the apple of his eye. You say, really? The church is a mess. Yeah, and so are you. And he loves you. And you're one of the living stones. When it says he paid for the church, he didn't buy the Vineyard Community Church building. This is just a facility that we utilize to gather in. It's a convenience. It's a tool. You know, what have I told you, those that have been around a long time? If Hurricane Ian would have destroyed the building, where would we have been that Sunday? Outside on the rubble with a guitar preaching Jesus. And it didn't stop the church. We're not like, oh, no, we don't have a church building. What do we do for five months during COVID when they said you can't meet? We met in the parking lot. We're going to meet. What would, that, what would you do, Pastor, if you were in California? I would have met somewhere. I'm not going to let that governor tell me what I'm going to do with the church. Tell me, I, you can't sing on Sunday. Really? Come on over. We're singing Jesus songs in church. We'll just sing them softly. We're going to meet. We're not going to be stupid, but we're not also going to be controlled. And, and, and I'll be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove, and maybe we'll go to jail someday because we met and the, con the, 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 the leadership of our country, corrupt, says no meetings of churches because you're spreading the message of hate because you believe that there's only one way to to God, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't believe in blah, 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 blah. I, I don't know. And it's easy for me to be bold and not be living in Minnesota, you know, where they shut down the church and strangled it to death. And they still haven't recovered yet. Do you know that most churches in America have not recovered from COVID and the way it was managed? Most churches in America, most schools have not recovered. We have been blessed that we've grown finally, but it's with a different group of people. I didn't know why, but somehow during COVID, a chunk of people around the country and the world decided, time for me to get off this bus. I'm done with church. I don't know what they're doing. Picking their nose and acting like they're better than everybody else. I don't know smarter because I don't need a building to have a church. No, you don't. But when you come to Jesus, he loves his church. You, no one ever told me to go to church. No one ever. When I came to Jesus, I wanted to find people that loved him like I did. I, wanted to, I didn't care. I went to the Episcopal church. I, do, I didn't know. I couldn't follow all their rhythms, but I was happy. <laughs> At the end of the message, I came up and stood there, and he said, son, we're already done with communion. I said, I need prayer. He said, he didn't know what to do. I'm thinking, man, I need help. Pray for me. I went to any church, any point, any time, Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, African-American. I don't care. I wanted to be with God's people. That's just normal. 
To want to be isolated is not normal. I know you can get hurt. I know you can get burned. But it's not the solution to hide from ever being hurt again. You get involved in church life and you're going to get hurt. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to get let down. I'm going to let you down. I'm going to, you know, if I always tell people, start with a low bar with me. Anytime, especially people go, oh, you're so wonderful, blah, blah, blah. They've been here two weeks. I said, start with a low bar because I'm guarantee I'm going to end up offending you. I'm going to do something you don't like. I'm going to, I'm going to say something you didn't want to hear. I'm going to, you know, I like to, part of the power of ugly is we, we under promise and over, over, over provide achieve. That's just, I'm not going to go, we're going to be the greatest church you've ever had in your life. I tell people on a regular basis, there's lots of great churches. That's why we pray for a different one every week in this community. There's great churches all over this area. We're not any better. We're, We're just who we are. So Paul says, listen, get this in your theology. You can't separate Jesus from his church and you can't undervalue how much he cares. That doesn't mean everything the church does is good. The church has done atrocious thing throughout history, atrocious sins, been on the wrong side. There were many churches on the wrong side of racial reconciliation, on the wrong side of it. Terrible, terrible. I had a, a, one of my dearest leaders in the church. You guys will remember them. I mean, they're salt of the earth. They're both in heaven, Larry and Jackie Tatro. They came from upper state New England. Their son started dating an African-American girl. They were losing their minds over it. Now, this is 1980. They were losing their minds over it. And they called me and they said, Pastor, this can't be right. Someone had given them the verse in the Bible that says, what fellowship does light have with darkness to say that interracial dating or marriage was evil? These were Christian people using the Bible to defend racism with a verse that has to do with obviously spiritual darkness and spiritual light, not color of the skin. And I looked at him, I said, there's nothing in the Bible that forbids it. And they embraced her. And to this day, they've been missionaries in inner city New England, I mean, uh, New York for decades and decades. And, and the church is bought with his blood. And then now, Paul's going to land the plane with these leaders this next statement. After telling them how important their job is, telling them how much God loves and cares for the church, then he says this in 29, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise, men or women, will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Let me just, let me just, I'm going to give you three categories. And, you know, all of you, I'm going to guess, have fallen into category one at some point. I certainly have. Maybe category two. I'm sure there's nobody here that's been category three. But let me just help you about these wolves. Number one, they're not raving maniacs. Like, that's a wolf. They come in sheep's clothing. They come quoting the Bible. They come being more spiritual than the pastor. They come with a false agenda. They come with different motives. Now, we have a security team that they're not looking for them necessarily. 
They're looking for people that are going to try to cause harm physically. They're going to try to do something uh, immoral. They're going to, we want this to be a safe place physically, emotionally, but it's also, we fight for this to be a safe place spiritually. You know, there's people I've literally looked in their faces and said, don't you ever quote another Bible verse to anybody in this church until you get your life in order. Shut your mouth. And this guy quoted the Bible to everybody. But his life was a complete, absolute, personal disaster. Now listen to me. Three categories. Number one, they mostly always have to do with your mouth. So the tongue... Number one, the first category is, I call them the disgruntled that so discouragement. Disgruntled just means they're unhappy. They're, I call them the, the naysayers. They're the nah. That's nasayers, but anyway, it could be nay. That's just about nah. So basically, this is all, it's this. It's when your mouth is saying something about the life of the church that's sowing discouragement sowing, putting water on the fire of a vision, an idea, a plan, and it's hurting, wounding the people that are listening to you, that you're influencing them to be unexcited about this or to be uncommitted to this or to be because you're not. Now, I get it. You're not going to be excited about everything you do in the church, but if you're not, just shut your mouth. Don't participate. As my mother would say, if you don't have something good to say, don't say anything at all. That'd be a miracle. Here's what I've heard over the years. I don't disagree with what the pastor's doing. It's how he's going about it. That just means poking me in the eye. Oh, what did that go? What did that help? Now, I welcome that to me. I don't mind. You can tell me, Pastor, that's horrible idea, horrible decision, horrible whatever. You come talk. My, my, I say my office is open, don't have one. But you can find me. If you look hard enough, you can find me. Send me a nasty email. I don't care. I'd rather have a nasty email than you run in your mouth around the church, in your small group, in your serving about the church. Stop it. I, we have mercy on everything. We deal with broken people from every form of life, whether they're coming from jail, they're on their fifth marriage, whether they're struggling with some kind of addiction bondage, whether they blah, 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 they blew up this, they, they failed here. They failed. We're, we're going to talk about that next week. But where I don't have mercy and will not have mercy, and that's if you're running your mouth, causing people to be discouraged in the life of this church. You may think it's no big deal, but if, for example, the, 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 the women's retreat, well, we're going to go to a different place. Nah, 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 nah. What does that do to the people that are on the bubble trying to decide to go? You don't have to go, but shut your mouth complaining about it. Now, we had people complain, my wife, God bless her, because men's retreats are simple. You know, we just say, come on, we're eating meat, and we're going to have fun. I don't, you're going to get no sleep. It's horrible. You know, uh, it just come on. Women, God bless her. I mean, they, there were women complained about South Seas, complained. Nah, 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 nah. I had ants in the room. Okay, get some spray. I get it. It's, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's a two-day retreat. But then we move and go to a better place, but then it's nah, 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 nah. 
Let me help you. You don't have to go, but shut your mouth. Why would you want to discourage anybody else from going? And you can take that across the board. Maybe you had a bad experience in small group. Okay, try another one, but don't downplay small groups. And I could go on and on and on. You don't want to be that one that, that the pastor brings in the office and says, it's people like you that make pastors want to leave the ministry. You don't want to be that person. Let me help you. Number two category, and it's usually with the mouth. So there are those that sow discouragement. Then there's those that sow division. That's a different level. Now you're causing something to be cut between leaders. It could be member against member, but usually it's members against leaders. I'll never forget one of the, here, think about this being your, one of your biggest tests ever coming to this church. Okay, here we are. I don't know what year it was, but we determined, we had a staff uh, meeting one day and we said, we're going to go tour another church and take notes and see what we can learn from that other church. And I said, dress a little nicer. We got in the church van, we drove around the block and we parked in our parking lot and our real bright staff said, we're at our church. And I'm like, you think? You know, it's like, get out. We're going to walk around and we're going to see what our... The first thing we noticed was back then, we, everybody came in this door. We didn't have this wall. And guess what was right beside that door? A dumpster that smelled like a dumpster right beside it. And we realized we got this beautiful arched entry on a main street and we never use it. Never use it. Maybe two, three people. Never, so we had a lot of other things, but we decided, all right, we're going to make a change. I made an announcement. I said, next week, this door is going to be locked. You have to come in this door. People lost their minds. <laughs> These are grown adults. They were Marines. I've, I've dealt with Marines that are the biggest babies I've ever dealt with. I'm a Marine, but I'm not going in that. I've always gone in that door. I park right here. That's the door I'm going in. No, you're not. I locked it, and you don't have a key. You can bang on it. You can cry outside of it. You can suck your thumb. You can call mama, but we're coming in this door. Now, I only did it to, to prove a point that we have a front entryway and to get people into the habit, and then we unlock the door because that's our special needs access, and we couldn't make that happen out here. I had people leave the church over it. Left the church. Now, obviously, they had other issues going on at the time. But, you know, that, you know, funny thing about people leaving a church, that's the third D. So there are people that will just want to cause division, complain about the music, complain about the song selection, complain about this, complain about that, complain about the. Listen, you're, all you're doing is sowing. That's why in our small groups, they'll, they'll throw a yellow flag on you if you're in a group and you want to try to gripe about the church. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. We'll throw a yellow flag. You're, 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 you're shut down. This isn't the place. If you have an issue, I'll go with you, and we'll talk to one of the pastors about it. But we don't talk in the group about our church. We talk about our lives. We talk about our hearts. We don't talk about what the church ought to be doing, what the church isn't doing, what your church up north did. I don't care what your church up north does. Go back there if you want to go to church. I don't care. You moved here. And if you're here, know who we are. And, and, and don't cause division. You, you're going to get, you'll get in serious trouble in this church if we run down a mouth 
that's speaking evil of pastors, it's causing division in the church. The third worst level is those that want to destroy the church. They're not happy with just making others unhappy with them. They want people to leave the church. They, they want their group to leave the church. They want as many people to go with them as they can get because it makes them feel better. We lost people over masks, as every church did. We lost people because we said wear them. We lost people because we said don't wear them. Or we lost people because we said make up your own mind and wear them. We lost one family that had come to Jesus in this church, been baptized in this church, had their marriage healed in this church, dealt with his addictions in this church, had their children raised in this church, loved on in the, in the children's ministry. But at that season, that time during COVID, we, had, we couldn't get children's workers because they were just nervous. So we said, we're going to do mask mandate for children in the children's ministry. I don't want my kids wearing a mask. I don't and then they, they literally threw the gauntlet down and said, it's no mask or we're gone. And then they go, it's all right, leave. But then they get on social media, cowards, and talk trash about the church. And it wasn't me, it was our children's ministry. Jamie, they lay their life down for their kids, those snotty-nosed kids. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be up there with it because parents were stupid at times. They'd bring their little Johnny with a runny nose and sick and go home. I'm not going to hold your sick kid. I'm going to have a hazmat suit on to hold your kid. <laughs> but we lost people over that, but it's okay. They weren't happy. They wanted to draw people out of the church. And they always find a better church. And now they found the better church. They want to be a missionary to get people out of there. That's the third D. It's not just causing division. It's tearing down. It's destroying something that people have given their lives for. It's okay to go to another church. I told somebody just recently that I love, and they just, this isn't a fit for them right now. It's not a fit. Okay. I can't. It's not something we can change or work. It's just, we're just not a good fit. And they're going to go somewhere else. And I bless them. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's, it's God's kingdom. It's God's church. But, but don't, don't think that you're going to be in a church and never get tested. You're going to get tested. You're going to have someone come to you and talk smack. And when they do, you got two choices, either listen to it or say, listen, you've obligated me. You either go to one of the pastors or I'm going to go to them and tell them what you're saying. You'll never have another person come to you again. Solve the problem. Put out the fire. Say, you may have a valid concern, but I can't solve it, but I can sure help you go to the pastor or one of the pastors, and they can work on resolving the issue. And, and we have issues. If I offend you, let me know it. Give me a chance to repent. I, and that's just how that we're a, a group of sinners that have been forgiven, and we have to forgive one another. We've got to work in mercy. So there's a real enemy. He hates churches that preach the gospel. He hates them. He doesn't. He wants us to. He hates leaders that lead churches that preach the gospel. So that's why we're so hard in this church on staying in our lane, staying in the lane that God's called us to run in. We can't do everything. And you might have a vision of 19 good things to do, and we may not do any of them. But we're going to do the good things God's called us to do. I'm not saying we'll never add anything, but we're going to preach the gospel. We're going to meet in worship. We're going to have small groups, and we're going to do outreaches. If we have room for more than that, then praise the Lord. But right now, that's all we have room for. 
and it's working for us. We're not perfect on any level, but we're growing and we're reaching people and we want to continue that. So I'm just saying to you, love the church. It's imperfect. Give it grace like you do family. You don't get to pick all your relatives, do you? No. Sorry. You, you married and you get what comes, relatives. And you come to a church and you can't say, could you get those, could you get this group to move somewhere in this? You know? No, you got, it's going to stretch you to learn to love people that are different than you. And they'll challenge you. And sometimes you got to say, hey, that's wrong or that's inappropriate. And, and we work through conflict and we work through things. The church is broken because we're broken. But he loves us. And he's got a plan to bring us to something that's going to be so amazing. We'll never, so we want to die on the hill. I want to be the pastor, not the hireling that Jesus told about in John 10, that when the wolf comes, the pastor runs. Do you know how many times I've wanted to run? I mean, run. You don't, you don't stay in this for as long as we have and not take some blows and get knocked down, knocked out, to make mistakes, to fail. See, when you fail, you can do it in such a way that nobody knows about it. When I fail, everybody knows. I get a new shirt and people notice it. So that's why the next DVDs, I wear the same shirt, eight DVDs. You'll lose your mind trying to figure out, was it one day, two days, doesn't he own another shirt? Just, I wore. People have a pin. I mean, you just, can you imagine going, how many bosses do you have, most of you? One, maybe none. You work for yourself. Maybe you have two, three reports. You know how many we have? Hundreds. Hundreds. Do you know what it's like to go to work with hundreds of bosses? I love what one of my mentors, Peter Lord, who's in heaven, pastored Park Avenue Baptist. He said, you know, the Baptists beat on the Catholics for having the Pope. But in the Baptist church, everybody's a Pope. <laughs> and I've had the honor and privilege to pastor baby boomers for most of my ministry. The most stubborn, independent rebellious group of people you'll ever come across. They are. You think the Gen X, they got their own brokenness and stuff, but they're way easier to pastor. And the people older, way easier. It's people my age. They're horrible to pastor. It's challenging. People are babies. They just are. You can't correct anybody. If you, t if you touch them and correct them, they, they lose their mind, leave the church, and blow up on you. Just because you said, no, that's not appropriate here. You can't do that here. That's not who we are here. Did I already tell you the Grateful Dead dancer story? You know, I'll close with this. It's just a classic moment in, in pastoring. And so I got a Grateful Dead dancer right in this area here. And I put up with it for a couple of weeks. I tried to get some of the leader go to her and tell her to dial it down a little bit. But you, know, you don't know what a Grateful Dead dancer doing all this Grateful Dead day. I'm like, and people are just, they're like, help me. I need a new church. So I'm like, I go to him and, and he's a retired New York cop. Now you're going to know one thing about a retired cop. They're carrying a gun. If you don't assume that, you don't know ex-cops. They all have a gun. 
So I, I assumed that. And so I said to him, listen, I'm not saying you guys are bad, evil, or wrong. I'm just saying in our context, that is scaring people, and that's not who we are, and you're going to have to stop it. He looked at me and he said, who are you to tell us what to do? And at the moment, I wanted to cower and go, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, uh. But, you know, I, 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 I manned up spiritually, and I said, I'll tell you who I am. I'm one of the pastors here, and you're in our house, and this is how we do it here. Now, you can go to another church, and that could be looked upon as extremely spiritual and wonderful, because she said that was her ministry. And all I did was try to calm him down, because he was blood red, and he was, I could just, I, just I, I, I probably shouldn't have, but I put my hand on his shoulder, and I said, I, I'm not trying to hurt you guys. I'm just telling you, if you're going to stay among us, you got to stop. He walks out the door, dials 911, calls the Cape Coral Police Department, and files charges that I assaulted him in the church. Big baby. God, I'd like to have assaulted him. I could have assaulted him. And the cops said, you know, I'm sorry, we know Pastor Stilson. He's one of our chaplains. We've seen him under pressure. That's not who he is. I'm thinking, they haven't seen me all the time under pressure. That could have been me. That could have been true. That's why now we have a security team that their first job is keep me out of it. Pastor, we've got that. We've got this. Grateful Dead Dancer, we can handle her. And they, you know, he dropped it, you know, anyways. And come to find out they had done the research. He was on some kind of pills, and he'd been to several other churches and caused trouble. And, and all I'm saying that to say is that, that we, we, we want to be protective as, as our job. What people teach here, it matters. I tell people on a regular basis, you're not teaching that in this church. I had a couple wanted to start a small group on marriage, but it was against husbands and wives being equal. I said, you're not going to teach that. We don't believe that. Why would I let you teach something we don't believe? Because we believe it. Then go find the church. They're all over Cape Coral that believes that men are superior and that women are subordinate. You want to teach that? There's other. You're not doing it on our way. They left the church. Went on Facebook again, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I, I'm not saying that they're evil because they believe that, but on our watch, we're responsible what the, feet, what the sheep are being fed. Or we're terrible pastors. And so on a regular basis, we have to tell people, no, that's not us. That's not here. That's not, no, that's not where we're going. No, that's not the cause. That's not the hill we're going to die on. You might die on that hill, and that's okay. You might have a different vision, and you might have a cause, a hill, a, a, a ministry, a mission, and you want to die on that hill. Go die on it. That's just not our hill. I want to die on the hill that Jesus died on. I know that Jesus died on the hill for his church. I know that Jesus wants us to believe in, embrace, and, and love his church and to see more of them. And we hope to do that in the near future, to, to see other churches uh, like we came here from Sanibel and planted this. And if we hadn't have, you know how many people would not have come into the kingdom of God that have come into it since we've planted this church over the last 27 years here? We want to do more of that by the grace of God. Won't be all us. We don't die on the hill alone. We want you to come up with us. Love the church. We're imperfect. You're part of it. It's God's only solution 
He doesn't have a plan B. There's no, well, there's the church, but you could be part of this. No, there's the church and the various forms and styles. And, and I, I love the church. It's been my life. When I got saved, I started in church. They loved me. They cared for me. It's been my mother. It's raised me. It, because of the church, I'm still married. Because of the church, I still love Jesus. I can tell a lot of horror stories about religious people, and they can be the meanest you-know-what on the planet. That's what put Jesus on the cross was a religious spirit. Religious people are the meanest people on the planet. I've never been assaulted or hurt by atheists. I've never been attacked by homosexuals. I've never been spoken evil of by uh, uh, Darwinism, uh, uh, whatever, whatever. It's been religious people. That's what put Jesus on the cross, religious people. So all I'm saying to you is that in spite of the religious people, overall, the church is amazing. It's wonderful. It's doing a, a, a great, you guys were just in Laos and, 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 the, and let me get the statistics right. That, that years ago, that was like 3% Christian, Phil, what, and what is it now? So up to like seven, like seven, just to grow. The churches, uh, you can't kill it. Now, individual little C churches die off, but big C will reproduce little C's all over. You can't stop it. Because Jesus lives in it. Amen? Amen? Let's pray together. You know, maybe the Lord's using this church to be a place, a safe place for you to hear his message, receive his love, get to know the Lord that loves the church. He loves you and wants you to be part of his church. How do you do that? It's not by joining the vineyard. It's by surrendering to Christ. Then you walk that out by joining a local church, but you don't have to join a local church to know Jesus. But once you know Jesus, you need to be part of a group of believers that, that share in common the life of Christ and preach his good news. So if you're here today and you've never taken that step of faith to Christ, I want to invite you to take it right now. You say, what do I do, Jamie? What do I... Now, remember we talked about God loves messed up people just like us? He's not asking you to clean up your life. He's asking you to come to him and he'll clean up your life. You just say a simple prayer right now where you're seated online. Lord Jesus, please come be the Lord of my life. Forgive my sins and help me follow you. Give me that gift of eternal life that only you can give. Just ask him in your own words and then thank him. And then many of you, maybe you've been hurt by a church, you're jaded, you're holding back, you don't want to go all in again because you might get hurt again. You probably will, but it's just like C.S. Lewis talks about love, and it, 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 if you love something, you're going to be hurt. And the, op, the, the alternative is, is not crawling into a, a isolation and protecting yourself. It's You're going to get hurt, but the, the cost of getting hurt is minimal compared to the benefits of being loved. And so find a home. If it's not here somewhere that you, you commit and say, that's my church. I'm home at that church. Lord, bless this time of ministry in Jesus' name. Amen.